How are we feeling today, church? We feeling good? Woo! Woo. Man, I'm just believing today's gonna be a good day. Um, but uh, man, I wanna tell you, for everybody who is here for the first time, I just wanna say this. Um, Pastor Nick already said it earlier, but we are so honored that you would choose to be here. There's a million places that you could have been on a Sunday morning, but you chose to be here. And so thank you so much for choosing to be here on, uh, on your Sunday. It means a lot to us. And maybe you haven't ever joined us or maybe you've missed the uh, last few weeks. Um, I wanna encourage you with this, is we have dedicated the year of 2021 to being the year of the word. And so what we have decided to do as a church is that we are going to, to base our entire year on the word of God. And man, this past week, we actually started 21 days of the word where we are jumping uh, into the book of Mark and we are reading it together as a church. Anybody been encouraged by Mark one through five? Anybody been, yeah, it's been amazing. It's been absolutely fantastic. And maybe you haven't started yet. I wanna encourage you, it's not too late to get into that. And so you can stop by next steps on your way out. Um, if you're watching online, they'll post the resource, but there's a reading plan to help you get through the book of Mark, and it's been, it's been so encouraging for me, and I've actually been doing the SOAP strategy that we talked about last week, and if you missed that, go back and watch last week. It's absolutely um, fantastic. It'll be encouraging to your, to your life, but listen, I want to ask this but as we jump into week number two of Don't Quit. How many of you guys have ever watched the show Shark Tank? Anybody ever watched the show Shark Tank? Yeah, yeah, so many people watch the show Shark I love the show Shark Tank. If you've never watched it, I want to give it like in 10 seconds, I want to set this up as quickly as possible. There's, there's, a people, there's people that come into what they call the Shark Tank. It's this room, and, and they are people that have a product or a dream in their heart. And they begin to pitch it to these sharks, these investors, these people that got a lot of money. And they, uh, they go for it and kind of give their best effort at, at presenting the thing that they have been dreaming about forever. And at the end of this, they have an opportunity to exchange money for percentage of their product or percentage of their company. That's the premise of Shark Tank. But one of the things I love about Shark Tank is um, not so much the products because some of them are weird. Um, some of them are, are you know, they're, they're like you would never use them. But what I love about Shark Tanks is I love the entrepreneurial spirit of the sharks in the Shark Tank. And me and my wife, Sherry, we, we went on a binge the, a couple years ago watching a, a ton of Shark Tank, and, and you begin to realize there's different personalities in the sharks. I, I love Lori because she's so sweet, right? She's so nice because Lori, uh, if you've got something that needs to go on QVC or Home Shopping Network, come on, she's your girl. She will hook you up on that. Like, there's different personalities. Damon, right, he's usually in a mood. Sometimes that's a good mood. Sometimes that's not such a good mood. Then you have, um, you have Barbara. And Barbara's the real estate mogul and she will always let you know that she started from nothing and that she used to walk to school in the snow, barefoot, uphill, both ways. Like she, she, she's that person that makes you, you know, she, you want, she wants you to know that she dug for everything that she had. And, and then there's Mark. If there was a shark that I could hang out with for a day, it would be Mark Cuban because I think he's got that spirit, the entrepreneurial spirit. But, but he really, he, he, he's, he's super kind unless you have a medical product that has no proof and uh, he will eat your lunch. And then there's Kevin, Mr. Wonderful. Some of you guys are familiar with Mr. Wonderful, and, uh, and he is, he's the kindest person that I know. Um, not really, but, uh, but he'll tell you the truth. He's really, I, I brought some of my favorite sayings from Kevin because I wanna make sure I didn't miss any of these. Uh, and this is all when people would share their dreams. He, he will finish off the, 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 them pitching this with responses like this if he doesn't like it. He would tell them to take it behind the barn and shoot it. Seems encouraging, right? Like, like these people will pour their dreams out and he will literally respond to them, I, I think you should kill it like the cockroach that it is. 
Could you imagine like pouring your heart and soul into something for your entire life and then this guy telling you this? He, he says, that's a, that's a nothing burger. You're, you're dead to me, right? Kevin has a way of, of taking something that you've spent all of your adult life or maybe even your childhood developing, this dream that, that you've had in your heart, and he has a way of making it feel like so dumb, so worthless, so useless. And as I was thinking about Shark Tank and what I realized about Shark Tank is true about life is that you have to be very careful in life, who you share your dreams with. Now, now some of you, you maybe you know where this is going, and I wanna make this very clear. I'm not just talking about like sharing, sharing your dreams verbally. Now, now that's important too. I, I want you to be careful who you share your dreams with because how many know there's some people that are, are, are less excited, believe it or not, there are people in life that are less excited about what you are doing than, than yourself. Like there's people that are less excited, right? And, and you share that with them and it, it's much like sometimes when I preach at, at, at United Church, like I'm really excited about the message and then I feel like I'm like, gosh, did, did that, you know, care at all? Like, you know, I'm like, that's okay, I'll be back next week. I got it next week. I'm gonna get this thing next week. I'm like ready for the next week. But, but, but sometimes you you're excited about something and, and you share the vision for that or you share the dreams for that and people aren't as excited. But it's not just verbally that I'm talking about. I, I'm, I'm saying like this, be careful the people that you bring alongside of you. Be careful the people that you bring to the table. Because sometimes like you may have these dreams and aspirations and they don't share all of the same excitement that you have for those dreams. You see, what's scary is when you choose to lean on someone, when you choose to share with them like your hopes and your dreams and, and you put all of your weight into them and you feel like you're leaning on them and then they move out of the way and you feel like you literally fall on your face and it feels like your world comes crashing down. It's a scary thing. It's a valuable lesson that we can learn today. It's a valuable lesson that Joseph learned in scripture. If you were here last week, you remember we, we set up this story of Joseph, and Joseph is found in the book of Genesis, and if you weren't here, let me just set this up really, really quickly, that Joseph was a dreamer. He actually had a couple dreams, and Joseph, uh, he actually shares his dreams with his brothers. Now, it wouldn't be that big of a deal, but Joseph was the youngest of all the brothers, and he was the favorite brother because he was the son of his, of his father's old age, and his father had given him this, this, this coat of many colors to signify, like, hey, you are, he is my favorite, and jo Joseph brings his brothers in, and he shares the dreams that, he've had, ha that he's had with them. It's a couple dreams. Basically, where the symbolism of the dream is this, is that one day, at some point in their life, that they will bow down to Joseph. So he shares his dreams with his brothers. And a little bit later on, we're gonna see in this story that we're gonna read today that Joseph is betrayed by his brothers. And so Joseph goes on the search to find his brothers right before all of this take place, takes place that we're gonna read today. And so today, we're gonna go on a journey. We're, we're gonna talk about the betrayal process. And then in the middle, we're gonna talk about some of the feelings that you feel when you feel like you've been betrayed. But then the best part about this is we're gonna talk about the resolution to the story. Like what do you do when you've experienced betrayal, when you felt the feelings of betrayal, and then you get on the other side of this? Because this is one thing that I love about our church is that we never bring people into an experience and kind of rile up feelings. Come on, it would be kind of lame if I brought you guys in here today and we had like a betrayal fest, talking about all the people that have betrayed us and I sent you out of here riled up of your feelings and you didn't have any resolution. Would you agree? That would be pretty mean, wouldn't it? But we're going to resolve those feelings and that's what I love about our church is we don't just bring up feelings, we help you work through them. It's a big difference from the way that I grew up. Come on, I grew up in church that if you didn't leave feeling worse about yourself than the way that you came, come on, you didn't do it right. 
You need to get like a double dip and go back again, go to the, the second experience, but there was only one experience because there wasn't enough people that wanted to hear the condemnation that was being, anyways, that's beside the point. I won't even go into that. Anybody go to a church like that? Cool. We went to the same church? It's crazy. In North Carolina? I'm just kidding. Anyways, anyways. There's gonna be some things that you want to write down because there's gonna be some experiences that you face that are going to be, this information that we're going to share today is gonna be extremely helpful. But Genesis chapter 37, Joseph, uh, he's betrayed by his brothers. Check this out. It says, they saw him from afar, his brothers, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. So they said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him. And we will see what will become of his dreams. You see, one of the things I've found about betrayers is one thing they will attempt to do is they will attempt to disrupt your dream. Like one thing that's true about about people that, that want to step in, they wanna come around the table, they wanna step into your life, they want to attempt or, or they do, they're, they're successful in betraying you. One thing that they will try to do is disrupt your dream. Like you've, you've had some dreams in your, in your head and they've even traveled to your heart, some dreams in your heart and what you will find is that betrayers will try to disrupt your dream. But then we get to verse 21, it says this, it says, but when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands saying, let us not take his life. And for some of us, we're like, good, Reuben, good for you, Reuben. Like a man of integrity, like somebody to step in and to save Joseph's life. Before you think Reuben is too holy, check out verse 22. Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but throw him into this pit. Don't throw him into that pit. Throw him into this pit here in the wilderness. But do not lay a hand on him that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. It says, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, very important, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty and there was no water in it. This is very significant, they stripped him of his robe. One thing that you will find that your betrayers will try to do is they will try to discard your identity. So who gave Joseph that coat? That's not rhetorical. Who gave Joseph that coat? Anybody remember? His father. And for some of you, like the father, not lowercase f, but uppercase f, God the father has placed dreams in your heart, has placed visions in your brain that has traveled to your heart, and your betrayers will try to do everything they can to remove your identity from you. Can I tell you that your betrayers can't remove your identity because only God the father has given you your identity? It's just the truth of the matter. It's just the reality. He says they stripped him of his clothes, the robe many colors, and they took him and they threw him into a pit. You see, they can only try to disrupt it. They can't really do anything about it. Then it continues on in verse 26. Then Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. And the Midianite traders passed by and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. This last sentence is important. We'll come back to this later. They took Joseph to Egypt. They took Joseph to Egypt. Your betrayers will try to derail your plans. And what an act of betrayal. I mean, these are his brothers 
Like they were supposed, if there was anybody in Joseph's life that was supposed to be for him, it should have been his brothers. If there was anybody that Joseph should have been able to share his dreams with and his hopes with and all of the wildest imagination, if there was anybody that he should have been able to share them with, it should have been his brothers. And maybe you've experienced this exact thing. And you're here today and you're like, yeah, 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 Pastor Kenneth, I, I know about this, I've experienced all of that, but my question is, what do I do now? What do I do, what do I do now? now? I felt this, but what do I do now? And Joseph, he actually never gives a, a clear perspective into how he worked through this. We actually only see the end of the story, but there's another guy in the Bible who gives us a very vivid image of the feelings that he experienced as he walked and worked through Betrayal. His name is David. Many of you are familiar with David, the author of, of Psalms, the one who is said to be a man after God's own heart. David actually pens a psalm in Psalm chapter 55 where he's writing in his journal, he's, he's writing a prayer to God and David begins to, to talk about this feeling, the feelings of Betrayal, so we've talked about the betrayal, we're gonna talk about the feelings, and then we're gonna talk about resolution. So when the feelings don't get discouraged, don't check out on this because we're going somewhere. We there, church? We're going somewhere, so don't check out because I want you to understand that some of the feelings that you're experiencing are natural. I want you to understand that the feelings that you're going through don't make you weird, they remind you that you're human. And David begins, and I thought this is a, as David works through some of this betrayal, he begins to write, and, and, and I knew that if I could relate to this, that maybe you could relate to this, because David feels like, like how I would verbalize this, how I would work through this. And David, he, he begins to show us in Psalm chapter 55. Check it out. He says, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. You ever gotten honest with God? You ever just gotten frank with him? Like you've ever just like gotten like, like, because here's what I want you to understand is that he already knows what you're gonna say anyways and he can actually handle like the aggression. He can actually handle some of the frustration. He says this, he says, listen to my prayer, oh God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me and I'm distraught. David begins to tell us, he says, listen, I just feel Distraught, like if you've ever been betrayed, you know the feeling that it's devastating. The word distraught actually means this, deeply upset and agitated. And what happens is your thoughts begin to trouble you. And not just your thoughts, like your, your thoughts begin to be put into words and some of the things that begin to come out of your mouth even trouble. You, you ever had like thoughts that went from your, your brain to your mouth and then they came out that you wish you could go back from your mouth to your brain? Like that, that, oh gosh, moment. Like that, uh, I wish I could, like have that back. Like reverse, like do whatever you need to do. Like, like this, is, this is how so many times what happens when you find yourself, as, as you're walking through betrayal, you find yourself distraught. And then verse four, drop down, he says this. He says, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. David is getting so real and he's getting so raw. And he's like, listen, my heart, my heart is broken. Like I'm feeling this despair. And when you've walked through betrayal, like the pain is real, like you feel like dying. Some of you are there and I don't know your story, but can I tell you, I know your feelings. 
I don't know exactly what it is that you've walked through, the exact situation, but I do know the feelings that come with this, but the feelings don't just stop at despair. What happens is they begin to manifest themselves, and they begin to manifest themselves into fear. Verse five, he says, fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. Fear that, that the next time you step into a relationship, the same thing is gonna happen. Fear the next time you step into a, a partnership in business that, that the same thing's going to happen. Horror that when you show up at that place that they might just be there. Horror that when you look at the, the text messages that they, they may say the same thing. You, you wish they, they, they didn't. And these people, the crazy thing is, is these people start showing up in your dreams. You ever had that? Like you thought you could just go to bed and get away from these people? And it's not just dreams, it's like nightmares. Like you just wake up like in, in a sweat, you know, and it ain't COVID. You know what I'm saying? You wake up and you're just like, oh God. Like you wake up and, and all of a sudden, like these people, they, you can't even escape them. Like when you're trying to turn your brain off, they start showing up in your dreams. But you continue on to verse six. Look at how David, he, he, he voiced this. He said, I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. This is how I know David's my people, because sometimes I just want to go far, far away. Just, anybody real enough? Like, you just want to just, can I just, can I catch a one-way ticket to wherever you're going? <laughs> I don't care. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. This fear begins to lead to isolation. You begin to exclude yourself and seclude yourself. And you may still go to work, and you're there physically, but you're not there mentally. If the fear begins to manifest itself and, and the isolation, like you, you, you may show up for family gatherings, and yeah, yeah, yeah you're there physically, but, but man, mentally you are so checked out. Because you're working through this, you're feeling this, Betrayal moves from isolation, it continues into confusion. Drop down to verse 12. David says, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. Like if it was just somebody, just some social media hero saying things about me, like I could, I could, I could endure that. If it was just a hater, come on, because y'all know that haters are gonna hate, right? Potatoes are gonna potate, that's just what happens. Tomatoes, tomate, it's just whatever. That's the least spiritual thing I'll say all day. But if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If it was just somebody out there, whatever, if they don't know the full story, if they don't know me, oh, he's this, he's that, they don't know me, I could get over that. If a foe were rising against me, he says, I could hide. He says, but it is you. A man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. See, the crazy thing is, it's, is that it's so confusing when it's the person that you never thought you would have to walk through this with. Maybe for you, it's a spouse. And I don't say this lightly because I know the weight that comes with it. Maybe you were betrayed by your husband or your wife and and you didn't see it coming, it was literally out of, out of left field. 
I just want to speak to that for a second because here's what I want to encourage you with, husband or wife, is don't give up on your marriage because there's a blip in the radar. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 actually says, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But you didn't see it coming nonetheless. Maybe for you it was a parent, somebody who was supposed to protect you, they didn't. Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe for you it was a family friend or an uncle. Maybe it was a coach. Maybe it was a business partner, brother, sister. Some of you like me, it was... Um, is a close friend, maybe even one you would consider a best friend. 34 years old, and um, what I'm describing to you right now, at the level that I'm describing it, with the words that I'm describing it, the feelings that I'm describing it, I would say has happened to me three times in 34 years. And I would be foolish to think that the last one was the last one. And you would be too. I don't say that to discourage you. I don't say that to, to frustrate you. I simply say that to say, hey, if you're in here today, listen up, because there's gonna be some resolution that's going to come from this that you're going to need as you journey through life. So what does David do? How does David faced the betrayal of his son and his closest friend? How does David walk through the, the, the betrayal of the one that he literally, well, he didn't birth, his wife birthed? How does he walk through that and then the one that was, that was called his, his companion, his confidant, how does he walk through this? Because remember, David is, is the one that's said to be a man after God's own heart. And so what did David do? Did David pray with them? Because that would be spiritual, right? Like, what did David do? Did he bring them in for like a, um, a little conference and, and have, a, have a moderator? You know, maybe Dr. Phil was helping moderate. Maybe Maury. Some of y'all lives are like Maury, less like Dr. Phil, more like Maury. Some of y'all like Jerry Springer. Come on, somebody. So what did David do? How did David handle this? Did he, did he get down and like, did he fast for them? Did he, did he like go, I, I don't know. What, what did David do? Did he meet with them? I, let, let's check out what David did because this is how I know that David is my people. Check out what he says in verse 15. <laughs> he says, let death take my enemies by surprise. Some of you are like, that's graphic. That's scripture. Y'all can fact check it all day long. Psalm 55 15, the New International Version. Great translation. If you've ever done your Greek research, Hebrew research, great translation. Let death take my enemies by surprise. God, would you allow them to step out in front of the dart bus and they didn't see it coming? I told you, your thoughts begin to betray, your thoughts begin to shift. Like the things that not just you think, but your, the things coming from your brain to your mouth, like they begin to get a little shaky at best. He says, let them go down alive to the realm of the dead for evil finds lodging among them. He says, what does he say here? He says, let them go to hell, but don't let them be dead when they go. Let them be alive so they feel the pain. Like this is, yeah, some of y'all, amen, preach it, brother. Right, 
Like, I just wanna free you up if you've ever been betrayed that some of the feelings that you're gonna feel, like, listen, they're not always the most holy feelings. And David begins to express this in anger, and some of you have been taught incorrectly. You've been taught that anger is sin. No, twice in scripture that I have found, it says, do not sin in your anger, in Psalms and in Ephesians. Paul says this, do not sin in your anger. It's, it's not a sin to be angry. It's a, it's a sin to, 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 it's a sin, or it's a, to, oh my gosh. I'm so, I'm, it's not a sin to be angry, but you can sin in your anger. Whew, there it is. Sometimes you just gotta make fun of yourself. But some of you have been taught incorrectly, and David is saying, listen, I'm angry. Lord, send them to hell alive. Help them experience some of these things, and maybe you've felt some of this, and you're like, gosh, this is exactly where I am. But some of you, you haven't worked through your anger. You sat, you sat down in your anger. And for some of you, it's been weeks, or days, or weeks, months, years, decades, and what happens when you sit in your anger is your heart begins to harden. And it's probably a good rule of thumb right now that if you're like, yeah, hey, yeah, Pastor Kenneth, if you just finish up, I gotta get the mission, like I'm really hungry, like if you just stop talking, resolve this thing, be finished, like the clock says 9.55 left, if you would just hurry it up, that'd be great. Like the sneaky suspicion I have is that, that if that's you, if you're hurrying me along, rushing me along, shushing me along, it's probably because you've, you've sat in your anger and you're frustrated and your heart has become hard. Can I just encourage you? That is no place to live your life. Can I tell you that God has so much more in store for you if you would only work through what you're going through? And then from verse 15 to verse 16, David's tone changes. It's so drastic that some people actually believe it's like it should have been a different psalm. There should have been a period, and then it should have been Psalm 56. Like they, they believe that maybe David, on Psalm 55, he woke up on the wrong side of the bed. He had a bad day, but on Psalm 56, come on, that was the morning with the quiet time. Everything was going good. Like he didn't get cut off on 13. People weren't going slow on their way to, to work, and you were having to go around them, but you needed time to stop at Dunkin' Donuts. Like everything was going right. Like psalm, they, they, they think it should have been a different psalm. So why, why was it so different? Why was it so, so drastic from, from verse 15 to verse 16? Listen, if you've ever been betrayed, I think you can probably relate to what's about to happen with David. Because there are waves of emotions that just crash on you. Like you feel like, I mean, I've already worked through the anger and then all of a sudden something hits you and you're like, oh! Like you feel like you've worked through all of the confusion and, like, and then all of a sudden something happens. Like you take three steps forward and five steps back, five steps forward and seven steps back. It just feels like, oh my gosh, if I could ever get a grip on this thing. You feel like you've, you feel like you've worked through it and then all of a sudden there it is again. So what did David do? What do you and I do? David did what I wanna encourage you to do and what I wanna remind myself to do. Because we've talked about the feelings of betrayal, we've, we've talked about the act of betrayal, we've talked about the feelings of betrayal, and now I wanna help you with the resolution of betrayal. 
I believe this is the most important part because all of us, it's like yes and amen to the first two-thirds of the message, but what about the last third? Would you just help me walk through this? Because what I want you to see today is that David turned to the only one who could bring resolution to everything that he was walking through. David didn't turn to, to social media. David didn't turn to like a podcast or whatever it was that he had back in his day. No, no, David turned to the only one that could bring resolution. Come on, and that was God Almighty. And some of you are like, man, this is pretty drastic and you feel inspired to like, man, maybe I should write on, on Facebook and Instagram or wherever it is about how I've been betrayed. But can I remind you that what we get to glimpse David writing right here is we're actually able to look over his shoulder as he was pinning a prayer to God. Come on, this is not something that you post for everyone to see. This is something you journal in the quiet place so that God begin to work on your heart. Is this making sense today, church? And you're like, I'm just gonna, I love it when people are real and people are authentic on social media. Just, listen, you're not helping anyone. You're just making people want to waller in the garbage that they already find themselves in. So David had no clue that we would be able to have the gift of reading this in 2021. Come on, we need to work through this with a counselor. We need to work through this with a therapist, somebody that can help us, point us back to a, come on, let me, let me say this. Hold on, hold on, before we clap, before we say we need to work through this with a therapist and a counselor who knows Jesus as Lord. Because they will point you in a direction that is not God honoring and I need you to have a counselor that is equally yoked with you that believes that Jesus is the source, that believes that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that Jesus is the way that you're going to work through the betrayal that you found. Come on, not some other way or not just gonna be like, yeah, I think you should seek divorce. No, that's not scriptural at all, so why would you even recommend it? Like, like we need people that are going to point us back to the source, and my hope is that today as we walk through how David resolved this in verse number 16, how we see that drastic change in his tone, my hope is this, is that maybe today you can begin to work through this. Come on, you can begin that journey. Check out verse 16. David says, as for me, wait, wait, don't, don't, don't miss this. He says, let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead, for evil finds lodging among them, but the next verse, you can watch it, the next verse, he says, as for me, I call to God, and the Lord saves me. You ever had those rush of emotions? Like you feel saved, and then you feel unsaved in like, in like 30 seconds. Like I'm gonna love them, and I'm gonna kill them. Nobody else willing to be real today. A few hands raised. Your probation officer's watching. <laughs> You've had these feelings, and David shifts his gears. He says, as for me, I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. David says, as for me, I call to God. I call to Elohim, the one who opened his mouth and spoke all of this into existence, the one who put the beat in my heart and the breath in my lungs. I call to that God, the one who's over it all. He says, and Yahweh, the Lord, the one who's close, saves me, the one who's closer than a brother, the one who said he will never leave me nor forsake me. He's with me. He says, oh, I call out to him. He said, because I remember being in the wilderness as a little shepherd boy, I remember watching the sheep. He says, I remember that. And I remember the lion coming at the sheep and I remember grabbing the lion by his mane and bam! 
killing the lion. He said, oh, I'm gonna remember this. I'm gonna recall this. I'm gonna go back this. For me, I called to God and the Lord saves me. The same one that when I rolled up to the battlefield and this nine-foot Goliath was coming out and throwing insults at my God. Oh, I'll remember. I'll remember walking on that battlefield. And I had a sling and five smooth stones, but I didn't even need five, I needed one. Because I threw it off Goliath's head so hard that he fell down, dropped to his knees, fell to the ground to his death. My favorite part is what David does next. He walks over to Goliath, he pulls the sword out of his sheath, and what does he do? He cuts his head off, y'all. Like the Bible's boring, no, you're boring. (laughs) He cuts his head off. It's symbolism of you will not come at my God. The same David that remember, he says, as for me, I'll call to God and the Lord saves me. He said, I remember walking back into town and people saying, oh, Saul, the previous king, oh, he killed his thousands, but David killed his tens of thousands. And so when you're feeling like the betrayal is too much, when you're feeling, I want you to be reminded of God's saving power that the same God who did it before is the same God who's going to do it again. Be reminded of God's saving power. We're getting there, we're getting there. But that's not all. He continues, verse 18. He says, he rescues me. I love this word, unharmed. Doesn't feel like that sometimes, does it? He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. And God, who is enthroned from of old, who does not change. How many of you know Hebrews says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? He will hear them and he will humble them because they have no fear of God. They have no fear of God. I said this last week, but I wanna say it again, that what you thought was going to kill you has actually made you stronger for the fight. And when you feel like the the betrayal is too much, this is what I wanna remind you. I I want you to be encouraged by God's protection. How many of you know that we serve the God who can protect our hearts? Serve the God who can protect our mind, like we can walk through life and never let anybody else in, never let anybody else a part of our life, hold them at an arm's distance, but can I tell you, that is no way to live. That's not how God created you to live. Like he's not called you to be reckless, he's called you to be intentional and you need to be encouraged by his protection that you will walk through this unharmed. It doesn't feel like you're unharmed right now, but on the other side of this, come on, his word never proves to be untrue. Like he is with you, he is walking with you. Be encouraged by his protection. In verse 20, it says, my companion attacks his friends, he violates his covenant. His talk is smooth as butter. You see how he kind of retracts. He goes forward, he goes back. He goes forward, he goes back. He says, yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil. Yet they are drawn swords. So he goes back. Then he goes forward and he gives us some of the greatest truth that I could ever give you today. He says, cast your cares on the Lord. Cast your cares on Yahweh, the one who's close. And he will sustain you. He will never Let the righteous be shaken. I can't wait till March. We're doing a series called Promise Maker, Promise Keeper, and I love the promises of God. 
because he says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. If we choose today to cast our cares on the Lord, he, will, he promises that he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. The last thing, this is be sustained by God's power. It would be terrifying to have to do this by yourself, but the beautiful thing is, is that you don't have to. It would be terrifying to think, oh my gosh, I have to do this in my own power, but the beautiful thing that David reminds us this is cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will walk you through this. He will give you the power that you need. And David processed through this. David leaned into God. And because of that, what we see is that, what you and I get to see is that he saw deliverance in his life. I believe that some of you are mid-process. Some of you are at the beginning of the process. That you're working through some of the betrayal that you've experienced. Maybe some of you are towards the tell end where you're starting to see some of the resolution. That's amazing. You're starting to see some of the deliverance. And David leaned into God. He didn't lean into all these other things. He leaned into God. And I believe that that's prescriptive for all of us, that we need to continue to trust the process, to work the process, to continue to lean into God more and more and more. David did this, and he saw deliverance in his life. And if you remember earlier in the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37, the last sentence that I read, said they took Joseph to Egypt. You know, the crazy thing about Scripture is that when we read it, we get the benefit of being able to turn a few pages and to see how the story ends. But all Joseph knew was that he was in a pit, his robe had been stripped of him, that he had been sold to the Ishmaelites, and that everything was going crazy. But we know from reading this that, that he was actually on his way to deliverance. His deliverance actually comes in Egypt. See, but the crazy thing is we, we see that fast forward 22 years, he works through all of these emotions. He works through all of this pain. He works through the betrayal that he, he's experienced. And like, how does this end? We don't get to see all of the feelings, but we get to see how the story ends. It's exactly where we ended last week. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He says to his brothers as they're gathered around after they've already bowed down to him, come on, somebody. His, your dreams will become reality. Oh, he's resurrecting dreams. Come on, somebody. I, I thought y'all be more excited about that. It, it will. Mm. He says, as for you, to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Pastor Kenneth, I can't say that yet. The last word, yet. Pastor Kenneth, I can't, I, 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 I believe that as you work through this, as you process this, as you find a confidant to work, if you go to counseling and therapy, as you work through this, I believe you will be able to say, as Joseph said, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Can I encourage you today that your betrayers don't hold your dreams, God does. That your betrayers don't get to hold your identity. They don't get to speak into your identity, only God can do that. That your betrayers can't derail your plans because God's already purposed them in your life. They can't do that. Only God can do this. But what you have to see is just like Joseph, you can't quit 
in the pit. And some of you feel like proverbially you are trapped in the pit right now and you were staring up and it feels like there's no help, but can I tell you, help is on the way. You just can't quit. So today, I just wanna ask you as we work through this, this last piece of resolveness, I just wanna ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes. If that's uncomfortable for you, you don't have to. Maybe you wonder today why, why you're not freed up yet. It's possible that you're still in process. Maybe, maybe today you, you wonder why some of the emotions still feel so raw, like the ebb and the flow. But can I tell you, it's possible that God is, is still walking you through the healing that you need. Maybe today with every head bowed, every eye closed, you, you would say, yeah, yeah, Pastor Kenneth, that's... I know exactly what it feels like to be betrayed. I, I know I've been there, done that. You were talking to me today. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up? Nobody's looking around. Yeah, most of us. You can put them down. And maybe today, for the first time, you've realized that you took a seat in your anger. You didn't work through it. You took a seat in it, and it's caused your heart to, to harden. And today, you wanna cry out to God and say, God, would you break my heart again? God, would you help me to come back to you? If that's you today, would you just throw your hand up? Say, listen, I don't wanna stay stuck in that anymore. That's amazing. Some freedom today, so good. You can put them down. Collectively, how many of you would say, listen, I've been betrayed, but I'm ready to be free from this. I'm so ready to be free from this. Without you, would you just throw your hand up? Say, man, today's the day. Yeah, yeah, so good. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you today, you wanna be free, I wanna give you some space right now to just pray. Say, God, thank you for your saving power. God, I've seen you. I've seen you do it before. God, I believe that you can do it again. Would you say, God, would you be my protection? Would you protect my mind and my heart as I begin to let people re-enter my life? Would you be my protection? God, would you help me to lean into your power because there's no way I can do this by myself. I am tapped out. I'm exhausted. God, I need your power. And maybe just for a moment, anything else you wanna say to him right now because he can handle it. Church, look up at me for a second. I wanna encourage you as you leave today because what the enemy would want more than anything is for you to stay hung up on the first two thirds of this message and to miss the last third where you were equipped. And maybe you missed it, maybe you didn't take notes, go back and watch it today, write those, thing, write those three things down, they'll be posted on social media. Like just write those three things down so that you're equipped. But what the enemy would want more than anything it's for you to focus on those two thirds and say, yeah, yeah, he knows what I'm feeling like. David was right, those feelings are, and they are, they're all, I, I, I preached it because I want you to understand that it's not abnormal for you to feel these things. But can I beg you as your pastor, do not stay 
there. And you may wonder, listen, how are you getting to the other side of this? Can I tell you, I've done this, gone through this three times. I told you, age 34, I've gone through this three times. How I can tell I'm starting to get to the other side of this is I start praying for them, but not praying for them like God fixed them. I start praying blessings over their life. And it's amazing. It's impossible for you to be angry and resentful and hateful to people when you begin to pray blessings over their life. Some of y'all are like, I ain't there yet, Pastor Kenneth. I'm like more like verse 15 to verse 16. <laughs> and that's okay. But don't stay there. Don't stay there. Let me pray for you before we go. Jesus, thank you so much. God, I know there are people all over this spectrum. People that have just been betrayed. They've been working through it for years, months, weeks. I don't know how long they've been working through it. But God, I pray that as their pastor, Lord, my heart is that they wouldn't stay there. They wouldn't stay stuck in anger. They wouldn't be isolated. That confusion would begin to, to bring into clarity, God. That you begin to bring a vision into their life for where they're going. That their dreams would be restored. That you would breathe life back in the old things, God, of the things they used to be able to do. God, would they realize they're not disqualified. They're not discredited. There's nothing against them if they've turned to you. God, I pray for those who have been walking through this. God, would every one of us be able to focus on the final third of this message of all the things that, that you begin to help David work through from verse 16 on in Psalm 55. God, thank you for a beautiful picture, a beautiful picture. God, one that I'm not sure we could have resolved on our own, but so vividly you allowed us to peer over the shoulder of David as he penned some of his most authentic words to you. Jesus, we love you, we praise you. It's in Christ's name, amen.